The games are underway and DraftKings is bringing you to the podium. DraftKings free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in Tokyo and offering a free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes. That's up to $50,000 up for grabs and the best part is that it's free-to-play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's events and track your results throughout the evening to see if you will achieve a victory. Questions will range from medal count to questions specific to the USA team. DraftKings is safe, secure and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use the promo code TBPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pace Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. Two days of free agency are behind us, and all right, not much to report, guys. Pretty short episode today. Uh, no, we've, we've got plenty to talk about in terms of not what the Pacers did, but more what they didn't do. I think the overall consensus is that the team is exactly the same as it was two days ago. Justin, I'll start with you. Pretty underwhelming 48 hours, and really pretty underwhelming week if you count the draft. Yeah, definitely. I think Pacer fans kind of expected a bit more. We've we've had a season or two where we've stayed pat uh, through the draft and no real major moves apart from the Oladipo Levert move. Um, but that was during the season. Actually, off season moves haven't hasn't been too much action. Really happy we re-signed TJ McConnell, our boy White Iverson. But um, yeah, a bit bit disappointed with. I, we've, we've all said we didn't think the starting five would be their opening night. Who knows? It still might not be. Um, you know, this still could be a major trade that, um, you know, this episode will become useless. But I, I don't think you can sit here being a Pacer fan saying you are really, really excited for the opening night right now. Can't be. I mean, really, if you want to look at the the roster, last year's roster versus this year's, the first thing that we, you hope for is health because we didn't have that. Um we lost Doug. We got Duarte, who's apparently a three-point shooter, so he kind of assumes that role. Uh, TJ McConnell returned. Aaron Holiday's gone. Um, Tory Craig is is in, who I really like, and I think that's exactly the type of defender we needed off the bench. I mean, Alex, if there's a bright spot in all this, it's that we got a guy who we can lock in on the opposing team's best wing guy. Like, so to mm. not put it, yeah. not to jump around, but that seems to be a real positive, a silver lining out of this situation. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because Adam, you and me have been talking for how long about wanting a guy who can defend multiple positions on the yeah. wing. So, you know, it's almost a perfect fit for any, but Tori's one of those guys, like if you've watched him in Denver or Phoenix, like he, he fits or Brisbane. Anywhere. And yeah, he's an NBL legend as well. One defensive player of the year over here in Australia for all the uh, Aussies listening. So, you know, there, there, there's a little, uh, Australia connection there, but yeah, he, he's definitely one of those guys I really like. Um, I don't know how he really fits in with, you know, we, we really have a log jam right now, don't we? With Jeremy Lamb, 
uh, Duarte, Justin Holiday, Sumner. So, uh, Sumner as well. Yeah, exactly. And he proved that he deserved minutes. So for me, it's really hard to see how that bench plays out. It's uh, definitely also sad that Goga couldn't couldn't prove himself a little bit in summer league. Hopefully, he gets up for that. But man, another injury for him. It just he can't get any breaks, can he? Yeah, he seems to be you know consistently going out of the side as soon as he comes in. I mean, he was working out with the players in LA, which mm. was great to see. I think that's one thing that we can uh, glean as a positive from this situation is that the team decided to get together. Sands a couple of players and all worked out together in LA and clearly the upcoming season matters to them. They're motivated. You know, they're trying to be together as a team, which is fantastic, but Goga was, you know, involved in that. This is the year for Goga to prove that he deserves some sort of contract in the NBA beyond his four year rookie deal. And at the moment he has not earned that contract. And if he continues to get injured, then he will not earn that contract at all. He'll be, either in and out of different teams or he'll be in Europe before we know it. And that's unfortunate. And I want to see Goga succeed. Don't get me wrong, but to date, he has not Justin shown enough to stay in the NBA. No, definitely not. And it's becoming quite concerning about, you know, the last three or four years worth of draft picks where they're ending up, you know, we, we don't like speaking about TJ Leaf, but then now if Goga is going to be another player out the league in a few years, that's going to be highly concerning. So um, my big thing is, well, we talk about health, right? And Alex, you bring it up. And my biggest takeaway was actually listening to the Karis Levert um, podcast interview with JJ Redick and him kind of saying how different the paces are compared to the Brooklyn Nets where, you know, Levert came back from the Kansas scare. And um, look, some of this may be contributed from Nate Bjorkman, but I think there's a bit of a history now with Oladipo and now Karis Levert. This has gone public. This is from what we know as fans. So both of them saying they're basically rushed back. You know, there's no protocols have to go through. Karis LeVert felt like he was just thrown onto the court. And he said, like, with the Brooklyn Nets, you take weeks and weeks and, you know, you'd be like, oh, come on, I can play now. But with the Pacers, he was just like, oh, really? What? Seriously, I can play? So, you know, we say Pacers have a lot of bad luck, but... You know, is it the franchise's fault? Are they, you know, sometimes you got to point the finger. These things happen for a reason. Are Indiana not good at um, preventing injuries? I think it's it's a fair question. And, you know, with the greatest respect to the trainers on the staff, I mean, they don't make overall the final decision. I would say that's, that's up to the basketball operations staff. But it, there are too many examples now of guys coming back too early and getting injured or coming back too early without those protocols. Like it, it's very, very clear that Oladipo lost all confidence in the franchise after coming back too early from his knee injury and blowing out his quad. That is 100% clear. His tone changed entirely after that injury. He clearly laid significant blame on the team for bringing him back too early. There were whispers of it at the time. The fact that Levert sort of corroborated that with the fact that um, this is not necessarily a professional uh, franchise in terms of the way it manages rehab and the way that it manages a player's return to the court is really concerning because you know what players talk players talk around this, this league and this is Indiana don't need any worse luck when it comes to free agents they don't need anything else working against them when it comes to luring players to the franchise they're already a small market, well, I know everyone hates that term, but they are 
a small market team. They're already an underperforming team last season. They're already a team that hasn't won an NBA championship. And they're already a team that doesn't have an NBA superstar. So Indiana does not need anything else working against it to lure the best players to the franchise or players that are going to contribute to a championship team. This is yet another thing that they need to deal with and that Kevin Pritchard needs to deal with. This is his basketball department. He needs to make sure that we have state-of-the-art technology and we have forward-thinking, current-thinking sports science people in the franchise that are making these decisions. Because, Alex, it's not something that you ever want associated with your franchise that they potentially cost players months, if not years, of their career through bad decision-making. No, absolutely not. But I think on the conversation of injuries, it is worth noting though that Indiana targets injury-prone players. And there's a very good reason for that, as you just touched on there. No one's taking a free agent meeting with the Pacers, right? So to get a guy like TJ Warren, you, you only get him because he has that injury history and because Phoenix wants to move on from him, right? A guy like Karis LeVert, I know he missed time for cancer. That's a freak uh, illness, obviously, but... You know, he had injury history back to college, right? Yeah, Brogdon. Milwaukee wanted to part ways. He had injury problems his entire career. So, yeah, we can talk about the the staff, but at the end of the day, a lot of the players the Pacers get, uh, uh, and this is why I was so against Eric Gordon as well, by the way. We yeah. don't need any more injury-prone players because that's what the Pacers seem to always target. So, yeah. And I'm not targeting any one member of the staff. I'm not even targeting the staff as a whole. It, it's clear yeah. that the processes haven't been embedded in the organization to be able to appropriately manage the rehabilitation and return to the court for these players, because we have a couple of very clear examples of where it didn't work to the degree that the player was hoping or expecting it to work. And I think, you know, Justin, you can also look at TJ Warren. He was kept off the court for the entire season. I don't know whether that was, a similar situation. I don't know how much TJ Warren had a say in that and demanded to sit out the season to get right. But I mean, we've seen examples of them shutting down Miles Turner near the end of the season and uh, allowing TJ Warren to sit out the season. So we've also seen them, seen them manage injuries correctly. It seems to be a little bit inconsistent, which seems to be a, a bit of a theme with this franchise coming up. Inconsistency, inconsistency on the court, inconsistency on the bench, inconsistency in terms of the uh, what we're saying in pref- press conferences that we want to get a leader in the locker room. But where is that leader? Apart from Rick Carlisle, who is clearly a leader, what I, what I want to talk about is the fact that nothing really happened to bring that guy into the locker room. Did it? No, well, not yet. Um, I suppose, yeah. Being a Pacer fan, like Alex mentioned, no, we're, we're, free agency, I think there's three pillars to the way you build your team. Draft, free agency, and trades. And yeah. I'd say we'd have trades number one, draft number two, free agency number three. I think that's how they pillar their team and they have for years and years. So, um, you know, if you're expecting a big free agent signing, you you're a bit in no man's land because um, they've never have. We mentioned last week on the episode, David West, probably the greatest free agent signing the team's ever had. So, um, you know, there's been rumors about them chasing, you know, bench pieces like Lou Williams and, um, you know, a couple of other pieces. But uh, my big thing and the thing I want to kind of talk about is, all right, if KP has gone into this year going, all right, we haven't been healthy. 
We had a half a season of Levert who wasn't healthy. He obviously raves about TJ Warren, Brogdon, you know, all these injury troubles. If he's going to go, all right, I want one season to see what this team's like healthy, then all right, good on you. But guys, what's going to happen if 10 games into the season, someone goes down? Well, that's what like, I was just about to say, because every we've said this every season, haven't we? Yeah. The past three, every single episode we've done in the off season, we'd be like, oh, imagine this team healthy or how good is this team going to be when healthy? And then a week into the season, someone's done. You know, it was Sabonis in the bubble. It was Oladipo the year before. It was Warren this year and Miles. So, yeah, you're right. I, KP, how many, I would argue four of the five starters are injury prone. Would yes. You, would you agree? Yeah. yeah. So yes. I don't know how much faith you can have in these guys playing 72 or 82 games or however many uh, we will play. The funny thing is the very first time the three of us met and recorded an episode, Justin, you made the point that this team was built for the 2021 season because that's what this was building to. And Good memory. And funnily enough, this was the season to win a title. This past season was the season to win a championship. All the players got injured. All the All-Stars missed games. All the teams were decimated. The healthiest team with the best player ended up surviving, but even that team carried injuries. And if you caught the right team on the right night and you were fully healthy, either like the, the Bucks were literally one centimeter of Kevin Durant's shoe away from missing the NBA finals. Like this was the season for small market teams. This was the season for a team of champions rather than a champion team to win the title. And we've seen other teams in the Eastern conference and indeed in the league get better. And the paces are assuming that they're going to get better through health. And like it, we were talking about this before the show and we've been talking about the last couple of days, there is a clear top five in the East right now. It's bucks, nets, sixes, Hawks, uh, and I'm missing one. Yeah. Miami. Miami. And Miami. So under those five, you have, Boston, not bad. Definitely better than the paces on paper right now, as we speak. New York. Uh, New York. They were good last Chicago. year. Who knows what they'll do this season? Chicago got better, got way better, got two all-stars in. One guy who hasn't made an all-star team in a few years, but still a high caliber player in DeMar DeRozan. Um, and, you know, Lonzo Ball, they got Nikola Vucevic in earlier in the season, who was also an all-star. So they've added two all-stars in the last six months, basically. Um, Washington lost Westbrook, uh, about to gain Dinwiddie, gain some other talent from the Lakers. You know, they, they're probably the one that's gone slightly backwards on where they were last season. Charlotte has a bunch of young players that are still developing and they will inevitably improve. They'll get Haywood back. Um, they will potentially be better as well. Toronto, who knows what they're going to bounce back as. They had an off-season last year. They've got some good young talent coming through as well as Siakam and Van Vliet. Those guys are still there. And those guys won a championship. So they'll have a bit of confidence coming into the season as well. Point being, like you've got all these teams that are either on the Pacers level, slightly below or, or significantly above. And the Pacers are going to be fighting for a play-in spot. And where did we just come from? The play-in tournament. Right now, you could not put the paces higher than sixth or seventh in the East if you were 
looking at the way that the teams broke down. Alex, is that fair? That's 100% fair. I mean, you literally just listed nine teams who I could potentially see finishing above Indiana. So, you know, don't be surprised if we're back in the playing spot. I mean, and, and this is why, you know, we kind of touched on this at the start of the episode. This is why I think all three of us are kind of keen to see the starting lineup not return, right? Like as much as we love all the guys on the team, you guys know Miles is my guy, but if it means moving on from him to, to get a different starting lineup in, I would rather see that, honestly, because I think, yeah, you can use the injury excuse, but I think we know what we have in Turner and Sabonis. It just doesn't really work. I was a believer in it. I was wrong. I don't think it works. So, yeah, if we are going to be fighting for that, you know, Atlanta, New York spot, I think we have to change something up. The only teams that you could definitively put below Indiana right now without a shadow of a doubt are Detroit, Cleveland, and Orlando. The other 12 teams in the conference could be anything. They could be way worse than Indiana in the case of Toronto. They could go either way quite rapidly. Um, Or then you've got teams like Chicago who are on paper quite a bit better than Indiana right now. And there's no sign, Justin, of, of Indiana really breaking into that top six. I mean, sitting here 12 months ago, we had just finished fourth. That's hard to believe right now that we went from a team that was, that had a home playoff series to now questioning whether we actually end up in the playoff, the real playoffs, not the playing the real playoffs at all. Yeah. It's, it's concerning. And, you know, a lot of people throw shade at the Eastern conference. Oh, you know, the East is weak. It's easier than make the playoffs and, and whatnot. And, you know, the Eastern Conference has won five out of the last 10 championships. So I, I wouldn't really think the East is that weak anymore. Uh, the last 10 years, they've split the championships with the West. And, you know, you talk about great players in the conference, uh, in the league, you you've, you could argue it's like three or four of the best five players are in the East. KD, James Harden, Giannis and Embiid. You know, <laughs> like literally the East is getting tougher and tougher um, so it's not, you know, you're not going to get in the playoffs probably under 500 anymore. So but my big concern with the Pacers right now is, it's kind of been on my mind lately, is who in the starting lineup can I see really improving and taking that next step? And to me, there's no one apart from Karis LeVert. I think he's the only player yeah. that going into next season, oh, wow, he can he can go to that all-star level. He could be a 25-point-per-game scorer and kind of lead the team. With with everything, with everyone else, I think we've actually seen their best. I think we've seen Sabonis at his best, Turner at his best, Brogdon at his best, and TJ Warren. So, for me, that's my main concern. We talk about health and health and health. Oh, if paces get healthy, we'll be right. But will we? Because I even think at a full healthy team, yeah, they might win some more games, but are the players... Is any specific player apart from Levert, in my opinion, going to take that next step? For me, it's a no. Which makes it all the more perplexing that we chose a 24-year-old guy in the draft. I mean, to get back to, to last week. Like, the this team clearly wants to compete this season. The ownership, we've spoken about it at length. They're never going to tank. They're never going to take a step back for a season unless there is a clear reason for that in terms of injuries, they have an out. Um, and even then they will scratch and claw for every possible victory to so get to ninth or 10th. Adam, let me cut you off there for a second, ask you something. So let's say, God forbid, touch wood, it doesn't happen. Game one of the season, Sabonis goes down with a season-long injury. Do you think they tank or no. what do you think they do from there? 
No, I think they play O'Shea at the four. They play Miles at center and they try and scratch and claw and sneak into the play-in tournament. And then we're sitting here at the end of the season saying, my, how close we were to being a legitimate playoff team, but we didn't have our best player. So we'll run it back next season and we'll see how it all goes. And then all three of us tear our hair out saying, not again. Not again. Yeah. It, it sounds like, I mean, we've, we've probably talked through, you know, uh, th- this podcast is probably good for the three of us to get our thoughts out, but it sounds like if you've, you know, listened to the last few, maybe years of the podcast, and I think the overall answer that three diehard fans that we're all probably looking for is right or wrong. We want paces to make a move. We, we want them to make a move whether, you know, like you mentioned the Ben Simmons move or we've mentioned Siakam being a, a, a such a good candidate for us. Like, I think we've kind of been just pushing, look, it's time to split this team up a bit. It is. I think the team has run its course. I haven't, at no point other than the first two months of the season prior to Oladipo coming back two years ago, have I seen anything resembling a team that can compete at the highest level. And that's when Brogdon was performing at an all-star level and Sabonis was performing at an all-star level and Warren was scoring 20 points a game. Now, if those, if all five players perform at their optimum level, I still don't see the ceiling of this team any higher than where we were two years ago, which was fourth and fourth does not a championship team make like Winning 50 games, brilliant, but it's not going to win you a championship. You're going to be, you know, potentially win a playoff series and then you're going to lose the next one, or you might win two playoff series and lose the next one. The ceiling of this team is not a championship. So why are you there if it's not a championship? Why are you competing for a championship if you know that you're not going to win one? So why don't you take a risk instead? I mean, this is, and getting back to your point, Justin, This is what we've been asking for. Not just a move, take a risk. Show us that you want to win as badly as we want you to win by taking a risk that helps us say, you know what? Ben Simmons and Domas Sabonis do not work together whatsoever, but I'm really glad they're trying. At least they're trying. I think if we, even if it put the franchise back five years, we could look at this and say, they took a significant risk. Now, it's easy for us to say that. We are not boots on the ground. We're not going to Bankers Life Fieldhouse. We're not buying season tickets because we're half a world away. But I just find it really hard to believe that fans are going to continue to buy season tickets season after season for 45 to 50 wins and a terrible season or two is going to significantly hurt that. I just don't. I, it's about, I was just going to say, I think it's about choosing a specific direction, right? Yeah. Like the Magic this past season chose that they were just done with with perennial first round exits. Like, yeah, they had Vucevic, who's a great player, Aaron Gordon, very solid. But they said, what, what are we doing? We're not winning with these guys. So let's get in some young talent and some draft picks. And, you know, they got Jalen Suggs and uh, Franz Wagner, who I'm not a big fan of, but still, they got two top eight picks, right? Like they chose that direction. So I think that's what we're asking for. Yeah, and I think it doesn't have to be draft picks. It can be, you know, trade for a disgruntled all-star like Ben Simmons. Like, yeah, yeah. why not? Oh, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Either way, either way. 
Yeah. And I, I think, look, five or 10 years ago, the small market excuse, I go, yeah, you know, pace is a small market, but, you know, it's harder for us. But the excuses are becoming less and less now because you look the way the NBA is going. We mentioned, you know, Toronto winning it the, the other year. Milwaukee and Phoenix now in their championship this year, you know, these have got to be showing the small markets, hey, it can be done. We're giving you the blueprint. You know, Phoenix yeah. signing a veteran, Chris Paul, Milwaukee, you know, the way they did, we spoke about it last week, but the excuses for small markets, yes, it's harder to win, but the excuses are getting lower and lower because, well, teams are doing it. Teams are actually doing it. You know, a couple of years ago, okay, see, we're playing Miami in the NBA finals. So, um, you know, this blueprint the Pacers have got, we, we haven't made the NBA finals since Reggie Miller was on the team in 2000. So it's been 21 years and counting. And it's tough because I feel like Pacers are always competitive. They're always a good team. We're not like, you know, the Sacramento Kings or no one's going to go, oh, the Pacers franchise is a joke. They're terrible. Like, you know, Detroit Lions in NFL, people would say that. But with the Pacers, you'd say, oh, they're, they're always a good team. But it's time to get to that next level. I think fans are sick of it. I mean, when was our last playoff win? Was it? Seven years ago, mate. Seven hey? years ago. Seven, and, oh, well, well, I mean, the series, series win was seven years ago. It would have been against the Hawks, maybe, I think, in 2014. Uh, we won yeah, against I mean, the Hawks in the first round, and then I think we did. Or the we, Wizards. Uh, we played maybe the Wizards in the second round, and then the, we lost the Heat in maybe six games. So it would have been. Oh, that was. I, yeah. gee, I was I was at all them three series in person in America, and my God, that felt like I was on that trip fifteen years ago. So yeah. to think I was on our last playoff series win <laughs> in America, um, it, it's just mental. We need to get back to the playoffs. This this team's. You know, Indiana, you know, it's a basketball country. They say all that. Basketball's born here. Well, they got to start acting like it because I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be very disappointed if they don't make playoffs this year. Um, I, I, I think then questions have to be answered with this team and what has the last three years been? Because I'll ask you, I want to ask you guys this question. Do you think that Chad Buchanan and Pritchard in the front office will be happy if they lose in seven games this year or next season? Sorry. Like if they I, lose in the first round in seven games, do you think they will be satisfied with that season? Yes. Yes, I think they will be. I said they. Yeah, we will, we will be living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's, such a, that's such a good question. Um, for me, there's a lot of variables to it. Like who did they play? You know, if they're a second seed and they're, you know, but, but look, jeez, yeah. um, oh, I don't want to say yes because it just hurts. <laughs> but you, you're probably yeah. right because – you know, oh, we got back to the playoffs. We pushed uh, Milwaukee to seven games. We've pushed Brooklyn to seven games. This team's on the up. But like Adam mentioned, I'm not going to be happy with that. I, I just, it's almost like we need something catastrophic that's even worse than this season to result in significant change. Like we, yeah. like the only, almost the only thing that will allow us to have what we need is either a risk being taken right now or everyone being healthy and us still being a terrible team this season. They're the, yeah. because, because you can't blame Carla at that point. Like yeah. the coach is no longer a scapegoat um, as, as he's been the last two seasons. Uh, but I want to get back to, to something you said there and something I tweeted earlier in the day, the Olympics is going on right now and the USA play Australia tomorrow. This is the biggest basketball game of my life. Like, I'm not even joking when I say that. The Pacers have never made it to a closeout game, nor a game six, nor a game seven of the NBA finals in my lifetime. 
So this is effectively game six of the NBA finals for Australia. This is the game before the last game of the season. This is a semi-final. We win this, we're in a gold medal game. We lose it, we're in bronze, bronze medal game. And I can't understate what it would mean for basketball in this country if we managed to beat the USA in the Olympics in Tokyo in that semifinal. Obviously, winning gold would be incredible and catapult it to a different level entirely. Australians go nuts for gold medals. But beating the USA in an Olympics, not in an exhibition game in Melbourne, not in an exhibition game in Las Vegas, but where you're actually playing for something. Alex, I can't think of any bigger basketball game that I actually have witnessed in my life. No, I think I'm with you. And, you know, it's, it's wild because when I was growing up, and it's probably the same for you guys, like basketball wasn't really, like no one really talked about basketball. Like it was always footy. You know, everyone was following the AFL or even cricket or rugby or something. Like yeah. basketball's grown in popularity so much in this past like decade. And Paddy Mills, no one deserves a medal more than him. He's been a big influence in that. Um, and, you know, you look today, like Jock Landau, you signed with the Spurs. Paddy Mills signs a two-year deal with Brooklyn. So basketball continues to grow. And the Pacers just signed a guy who played in the NBL last year. He's not Australian, but uh, you know, the, the, yeah. the game continues to grow here in Australia. And it's, uh, it's great to see. It is. And I, look, I think um, the US have won plenty of gold medals. They'll, you know, they've got their scapegoats for this Olympics already. <laughs> it. it feels like it's now or never for Australia because it feels like Paddy, Joe Ingalls, Delhi, Baines, they're not going to be there in four years and they're the backbone of the culture of this team. And they, they clearly cultivate such an incredible environment for everyone on the team. You just have to look at Matisse Thibel's um, Road to Tokyo vlog series to understand what sort of environment they're in. It's a very relaxed, but also very professional environment and they've been working for this for the past 15 years to get to a point where they could compete against the best team in the world and win. And this is the best chance in our lifetime that we have to get that victory. Um, and I just, Justin, I, I don't, I can't even describe what it would mean because I've never seen a Pacers championship. I can't even describe what it would mean if we beat the US. Yeah, it is. Um, for me, I oh yeah, it's, it's tough for me. For me, like um, paces through and through. Like yeah. being at the game sixes and game sevens against Miami were personally my biggest games of my life. But sure. you know, everyone's different, and I definitely respect the you know patriotism we've got for Australia. That's <laughs> not to say I don't care. I'm so into this Australia um, this this year. I really want them to win. I'm so disappointed in the draw. Um, we got stuck with, I think you want, you want to be playing USA in that gold medal game. I feel like if you win US, you beat USA, no matter who, no matter what, no matter when you deserve that gold medal. Um, so it's disappointing that God, yeah, if we somehow beat USA, oh, great. We have to match up against Luca or France. So, um, it's going to be tough, uh, for sure. But yeah, I really hope they win. Like you mentioned, it's probably their last chance. Um, can this is a bit off the topic, but I just want to get something off my chest and it's probably going to sound like I'm throwing more, more shade on someone I dislike at near the end of the episode. But um, 
I just want to mention, as we are three Australians, how disappointed I am in Ben Simmons. Like, no, no tweeting out, no Instagrams, no nothing, no posts. Australia just are going into you know compete for a gold medal tomorrow, and there's no great work, Paddy. You know, I I just think it's disgusting, and I really wanted to get off my chest that you got people you know, working their asses off for the country. And then you got someone in Ben Simmons, who's meant to be the star Australian, not even showing any interest in the, in the sport. Yeah. It hasn't bothered me much. And the reason it hasn't bothered me is because Ben doesn't fit the culture of this team. So I'm glad he's not on it. And uh, look, I think the the thing that's the the thing that I have thought over the last few days is how good would it be to have a Pacers team that acted like this Australian team, mm, yeah, as professional that was as accommodating for each other that you know shared the ball like they do that fought for every offensive rebound that fought for it through every passing lane that blocked shots that you know, played hard, hard defense. Like they do not take one possession off, not one. They're, ha- they're happy for each other, yeah, which no, we haven't seen. As a, yeah. They, Celebrate they each other's want- successes as much as yeah. their own. And I was going to yeah. say like, this is a little bit off topic as well, but when TJ McConnell resigns, like it's just Miles celebrating it. Yeah. And like when we draft a player, it's just Miles celebrating it. Like <laughs> it's the little things like that that might not mean everything to or anything to people, but it, it just brings the culture together. So yeah. The amount of respect that they have for each other and the amount of respect they have for what they're trying to accomplish as a team is greater than what I've seen from the vast majority of NBA teams the last couple of decades. There's only a couple of examples of NBA teams that have had anywhere close to the culture that the Australian Olympic team have displayed in such a short space of time. I mean, it, it it's remarkable, but it also makes me jealous because this is the culture that I want the Pacers to have. I like the, how Indiana would this be if we were, throwing ourselves at every loose ball and playing tough defense and playing for each other and respecting each other and celebrating each other's success. That would be the most Indiana team that you could possibly have assembled. So like in, in closing Pacers fans, I know that you love the USA, but I, I, I firmly believe that the Australian team is everything that the Pacers should strive to be. Yeah. And you, you, you mentioned the, we haven't had that team for a while, but certain players we get on the team who have that yep. mindset, the Indiana people love. Yes. TJ McConnell. I haven't heard one person not like him because he's the one diving on loose balls, playing harder than anyone. Yep. Lance Stevenson of the past yep. year, he's the one taking up to LeBron, going hard. Like we haven't had these plays in so long um, and it's really disappointing. So yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with, with what we've said then. And uh, yeah, obviously go Australia. <laughs> That's it. We've been the Paceroos. We'll come to you again after the Olympics, but until then, go Boomers.